Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Cards will continue to be prevalent in the current times, both for debit as well as credit cards. Who doesn't have their plastic cards in the wallet? Credit card industry is one of the innovative industry in producing more user-friendly, less oriented solutions and products such as virtual cards or you all can also call them one-time card. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real-world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Natalia Shelburne, developing emotionally intelligent teams in tech. So I'm thrilled to introduce Natalia today. Natalia is a New York-based designer, developer, author, educator, speaker, artist, and doer of good deeds. She is currently a senior manager of infrastructure at GitHub. She was previously a senior software engineer at the New York Times and has been an occasional instructor at Harvard Extension School. Natalia holds bachelor's degrees in studio art and psychology and a master's degree in creativity and talent development. Crossing disciplines and building bridges between design and engineering is at the foundation of much of her work. And she has been an active member of Women Who Code since 2015. We are so excited to have you, Natalia. I'm adding you to the screen now. Hello, everyone. Um, Well, with an intro like that, I guess the first piece of advice before I start is uh, write your own bio early and often. Um, and it's actually 2014. I had to look up the exact date I joined Women Who Code and is it, it was in 2014. Um, time really flies. So before I begin this talk, I added this slide um, y- yesterday. Um, what a time to be giving a talk uh, about <laughs> emotional intelligence when the news and social media is what it is. Um, I lived in Texas for a really long time. I have taught kids in the classroom and I I am just sitting here thinking like, how can I give a talk on leading in challenging times when I am having challenging times myself right now? It feels so overwhelmingly dark. Um, When I don't wanna show up, how do I ask others to show up? Um, And so yesterday I just, I put my computer away. I brushed my daughter's hair. I took her to the playground for an extra long day. Um, And I just thought through what I wanted to say just a little bit more. Uh, And the thing that kept coming back to me was just, if not me, then who? And that has been a mantra all of 2020. Then if not me, then who? Who is going to be able to do it? This is so heavy, but this is the work. Um, This is an important message for me to share. So I would love to share it with a community that's meant a lot to me um, over the past uh, eight or nine years. Um, so I'm very excited to be here with you today. I'm very glad to be just in this community of friends. Um, and thank you for being here, for being present when everything feels so heavy. Um, and I just want to start with this. This is something I say to my teams all the time. Let's, let's show up for each other. Um, we can't control what's happening in the world. We can rarely control what's going on around us (laughs) at all. Um, but what we can do is show up for each other. Um, so thank you for showing up. Um, And I'm here as well, and I'm very excited to talk about developing emotionally intelligent teams in tech. Hello. Um, My name is Natalia, and like my bio said, I thrive on being multidisciplinary. Um, I have a master's degree in talent development and creativity, degree in psychology, studio art. I'm a curious person, and I love learning new things. Um, And I am 
very exhausted by things like this in tech. This is one of the first things I encountered that made me um, really pause. Uh, like, hmm, passion. I see a lot of things asking for passion, a lot of conversations about passion, um, a lot of tech companies asking passionate people to join. Um, but then I see a whole lot of places just not taking care of them um, and kind of like saying like, well, they're getting burned out. We don't know what's going on here. Um, so I want to talk about this. What is this passion? Why are we burning up this non-renewable resource? Um, I, I almost want to do like a lazy climate change metaphor as I talk about this, but I'm going to shy away from it. Um, but just, just think about uh, the ways that we've been enticed into tech uh, to say we need to feel a certain way about tech. Um, but who's coming in with a full cup, right? I'm going to go with the cup metaphor instead here. Um, you can't pour from an empty cup. Uh, and what this talk is not at all is about how to squeeze more out of people through some emotional intelligence life hacks. Like that is not what I'm doing. If that's what you think this is, like close this tab and don't manage people. Um, this is a, a, a conversation about um, emotional intelligence, about energy and this BYOB, like bring your own passion, we won't let you keep a sustainable pace of everything of tech that has emerged is just not cutting it anymore, especially not after the last two years of pandemic ongoing everything. Um, people are showing up burned out, they're showing up unable to access their passion. Um, and, and the great resignation is absolutely no surprise to me. And so because this stuck, this short talk is so short. Um, I'm just going to keep going with metaphors because I want to share my mental model of how I think about these things and the specific actionable things you can do um, to, to grow the emotional intelligence of your teams, to encourage it, to reward it, to incentivize it. Um, it's going to be a talk about crabs, black holes, cows, flow, and all sorts of things. So buckle in. But the ultimate message is we can do a lot better than what we're doing right now. Um, because if we, if we can't, like, what what are we doing? Um, when I switched into tech, the bar for um, just just any awareness of emotional intelligence seemed so profoundly low that it was almost like a point of pride. Um, the reason it took me kind of like a scenic tour, you know, roundabout way to get into engineering was um, because I was told my whole life, like, yes, you love computers, but you're good with people, so don't go into computers. Um, and, and, you know, that just, this never made any sense to me because emotion is information. It's a powerful signal that should never be discounted. Um, it doesn't sit at odds with logic. Um, and, and at the same time, as I, as I really just learned about the attitudes in tech, it was just like, why are we generalizing things? Like, why are these terms flying around in tech that I learned, um, as part of my psychology degree, but they're so simplified and misunderstood like right brain left brain creative versus logical emotional versus rational uh then it's like design versus engineering um boys versus girls you know like it's like all of design and engineering took um these patterns that we love to just like find patterns assign meaning and we went a little wild with it um because if left unexamined those kinds of kind of pattern matching uh generalizations get us into a lot of trouble and hold us back. Um, and I know I can't do a show of hands, so maybe you just tweet or do something, I don't know, like raise your own hand in your own Zoom room, um, wherever you are. Uh, 
raise your own hand <laughs> if you have ever heard that girls mature faster than boys. Women are just more naturally intelligent and boys just don't really seem to get it and emotion as opposed to reason and all of these generalizations just taken for granted as you were doing something else. Um, and what if those statements and those assumptions were just uh, because of the expectations some parts of the, the population to be emotionally intelligent. You know, the bar is higher for some people and the bar is much lower for other people. And I love thinking about the consequences of this kind of thing. What are the com consequences of labeling a whole group of people as emotionally unintelligent and being like, that's all right. Or labeling a whole other group saying, you are emotionally intelligent. We expect that of you. So let's see it. Um, and I'd love to. I'd love to ask you, uh, what, what, what if um, we didn't do that? So, uh, like I said, I have a of a master's in talent development and creativity, which is as cool as it sounds. Um, it's just like I spent my graduate study um, learning how people learn, how they develop creative talent in any discipline. Um, art doesn't have dibs on it. Um, and I used to teach design for six years, for six years um, in. I think about potential a whole lot. Um, it's my favorite thing to just 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 see potential, develop potential, all that. I will always be an educator at heart. Um, and I want to tell you about a study uh, by Robert Rosenthal. And so there's this assessment developed that could spot student potential, um, even before teachers could. And so the researchers gave this to teachers, put them in classrooms, and said, like, get these kids a battery of tests, and we're going to tell you where the late bloomers are. The ones that like they're going to thrive at the end of the year. They're going to just blow everyone away with how much progress they make. Um, and and so this is a test of potential. Um, some of it may be latent. Some of it may be already displayed. But, you know, foolproof, Harvard, everything, researchers. Um, so they asked the teachers, though, one thing. Don't tell the students. Um, don't change anything about how you teach them, please. You know, we're trying to study this. And they give the, the teachers a list of students and then say, bye, have a good school year. And then uh, lo and behold, the test works. The students identified as having latent, secret, ready to be unlocked potential ended up thriving at the end of the year. Um, not amazing? <laughs> like, wow, uh, let's get our hands on the assessments and call it a day. Except those kids were selected randomly, completely randomly. And so what that means is what we really got was a lesson in the power of expectations. Um, the, the teachers must have changed their behavior. There's a whole lot of research like written about this, like what happened? How did it happen? Um, but one of the conclusions was expectations can shape reality. And that's where I get my call to action of just kind of like, what if we raise the bar for everybody on the team and said, we expect more? Um, what if everybody on your team really was expected to have high emotional intelligence and there were no excuses, no like, well, there are rocks that are good with computers and well, like, no. Um, and it's not a hypothesis. I had a team like that. And at the New York Times, we actually ended up um, having a team of just all women, uh, design, engineering, product, everybody. Just It was a small team on a smaller kind of project, but it was all women. And we realized like we've been conditioned to have high emotional intelligence or like we've had high expectations of us our whole lives. Like what did it work out like? Um, and I got to say, like, 
this often in is invisible work, the soft skills of being good communicators, connectors, et cetera. Um, they were not only recognized on this team, they were encouraged. And uh, the impact of that was pretty cool. Um, we, the collaboration was not at the expense of productivity. We met our deadlines, we weren't burning out. Um, we really worked on encouraging trust and autonomy. Um, we made it safe to ask questions. Uh, talking was not at the expense of doing. Um, and we created just, you know, guards against burnout. We increased team outings and we added learning time into our schedules. Like we, we created a really, um, a, a, what I would say is like a really great emotionally intelligent environment. Um, and then inclusion by default, when, you know, we, we had a, a, our first male engineer join our team, we realized like we all knew exactly what it was like to be the only one on our team at some point in our careers. And we proactively included him. Um, we made sure that we communicated and like we're inclusive uh, by default on our teams. Um, but we also saw some of the dark side too. We realized like, wow, we're, we're in agreement so often. Uh, we were a homogenous group and we were definitely missing perspectives. Um, so it was a very interesting uh, experience to have there. But the outcome of this really is just like we knew um, Personally, I knew like raising the bar, raising the expectations for everyone on your team is not only possible, but it's going to lead to better outcomes. So instead of just talking about it, like, why should we raise expectations? Science says so, it's possible, it, it'll work. Uh, let's talk about how to, how to actually level it up on your team. Um, these should be a few of the actionable things you can, you can start doing in your own teams or um, for yourself but I'm gonna start with two different uh, perspectives of things to stop doing and interrupt and things to encourage more of. Um, and so I'm just trying to give you kind of like a rock skipping across a pond surface. There is so much more to this, so much depth of information to this. Um, so I just encourage you to be curious and uh, either reach out, I can send a plethora of resources or two kind of do your own um, kind of search online, reading books, all this stuff. Like there's so much to this. So I'm going to run through uh, some of the things that can help uh, develop the emotional intelligence on your team and to raise the bar and expectations for that. So the first one, I will be on just an, a high horse about this forever. Um, you've got to, especially if you are in a position of leadership on your team, you must interrupt toxic behaviors and create better outlets. Um, I'd like to give you the disclaimer that if someone is coming in and bad faith and is a bad actor and somebody is like intentionally trying to harm, this is not the talk about that. <laughs> that is, that's not where you can um, kind of tweak a few things around your team. Like that's like, do not have bad actors on your team. That's a whole, like hold them accountable. Not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about specifically like the dysfunctions that kind of emerge that if left unchecked um, can create uh, honestly, less than ideal environments. Um, and as managers or as leaders, we talk about creating the environment for people to do their best work. Part of that means interrupting those toxic behaviors that aren't serving them um, and creating better outlets for those. And so I kind of just stuck this all in one slide. Um, there are a lot of dynamics that can emerge and they're really fun uh, to look through because the, the same kinds of behaviors that don't serve us in our regular lives and relationships um, they don't just disappear. They can make their way into our work lives as well. So, you know, you can have somebody who 
kind of has this negativity that sucks people in and takes their energy, right? There's um, people who, you know, they, 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 they believe they're being constructive, but what they're actually doing is costing a lot of energy on your team of others. Uh, emotion is information, emotion is energy, and somebody who allows their emotion to spill out and negatively impact others, uh, despite the positive intention, uh, it's still a behavior that needs to be interrupted. Um, and so for something like if you find yourself uh, on a team where um, there's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of just like, oh, this is so negative, all this stuff, the best thing you can do is create a an outlet for agency. That means somebody does not have enough autonomy or control to change the outcome. Uh, and it's a, an important thing to work with them in partnership to create a, a an actionable path forward. Um, again, that's to be said, if somebody is not really wanting to fix things and they just want to complain, that's like a totally different thing. Um, but when somebody starts to get negative, it tends to be that they're actually, what they're really searching for is the agency to make change and they're finding themselves blocked from it. Um, rumination is another one that you might find on your team. Venting is cool, but rumination actually is something that reinforces the negative patterns to the point where you are unable to find the positive patterns again. Um, this is one where having really structured, more structured retrospectives and systems on your team to allow for uh, productive, constructive, let's have action items at the end of this, reviews of things, of projects, of quarters, uh, on a regular cadence can help prevent this kind of repeating the negative patterns or repeating the negative thoughts or repeating the kind of like the cycling on what went wrong and shift the behavior to what went right. Um, again, this is something that costs a lot of energy and can shift the absolute kind of uh, the, the, the ability of somebody on your team to contribute in, a, in a, their best way. Uh, and one of my favorite metaphors is the bucket of crabs metaphor. Um, if you haven't seen this, this is where when one person tries to change something, the other person prevents them from doing it. Uh, the metaphor being, if you have a, if you're if you're a crab fisherman and you go and you want to go get some crabs, uh, if you have a bucket and you put one crab into it, it'll just crawl out. But if you put two crabs into it, they'll never make it out because as soon as one crab is about to crawl out, the second crab will pinch it down. And in an infinite loop, they'll never make it out of the bucket. Um, so one of the things to watch out for is when somebody tries to make a change or do a proposal on your team or take an initiative, is there anybody acting like a crab and dragging them down and telling them why it can't be done, uh, why it shouldn't be done, or stopping them with a no? And one of the most important things that I really like to remind folks, and it's easier said than done, is to find ways to say yes. Um, sounds a little bit improv, like yes and, uh, but it's important to be able to find paths forward. It's it's you can get in the habit of saying no a lot, um, and it takes a lot more energy and it takes a lot more uh, work, which is worthwhile work, to find a path forward and find a clever path forward. Given the circumstances, there's always something clever that can be done. Um, if we can think through it. And if not, well, then that's a different problem. That's where you need to focus your energy. Um, but being kind of like identifying that dynamic is also, and interrupting it is also really important. And ultimately what it comes down to is having a team where um, folks understand what it means to have boundaries. Um, there are a lot of people who, who 
come in who either have never practiced having boundaries, never had to develop having boundaries, um, and they might have a very difficult time. And having a team structure in place where you understand what you allow, what you hold to account, or what you reward with attention, um, it matches up to the things you actually want to continue happening on your team. Um, so that if somebody makes a mistake, you don't punish that and incentivize hiding your mistakes. If somebody makes a mistake and fixes it, you incentivize the fixing of it by focusing on what they did right more than what they did wrong. Um, and so uh, the same thing with boundaries. If somebody is holding up a boundary, you don't kind of like keep pushing it further and further. So if somebody's off work and they're out of office, you let them hold that boundary and you make sure everybody else holds that boundary so that you show people like we respect each other's boundaries. Um, and as a consequence, a lot of the things on the team, um, boundaries is like one of the magic things that kind of, <laughs> I don't want to say magic, but boundaries are one of the more important things that uh, we need to kind of remember will take care of a lot of the other problems uh, that might come up. Um, it's it's kind of hand wavy, but anyone who's ever had to put up hard boundaries might be nodding right now because um, it takes time. It's very difficult. And for some people, putting up boundaries feels like a very uncomfortable thing. So if you are a leader on a team or if you're a manager on the team, um, it's it's up to you to make sure that when so, like you help facilitate good boundaries and you make sure that those good boundaries on your team are not broken. So that could mean uh, yourself not messaging people on the weekends. Use the send later feature. If you're going to work on a weekend because it works for you, whatever, but don't send something to your direct report on a weekend. Schedule it for later. Um, just keep the illusion alive if that's if that's it. But it, it it's still a boundary. Um, because what I'm talking about really is like none of this is a magical ability. Um, these are skills to be learned, discomforts to be overcome, um, and it's really learning about humans and how humans work together and all of the things we were never taught in school, you know, like group projects were always the worst part um, and nobody ever seemed to to get it right. And there was always just like, I guess I'll do everything by myself, um, kind of descent into chaos. But group projects are pretty much all we do. Uh, as adults, and it totally can work. Uh, and there's a lot of research on the things that make it work better and the things that make it worse. Um, and so there are a couple of those things that can interrupt things going well, or the things you should interrupt that it, prevent things from going well. Um, but there's also stuff that you want to encourage. You want to have a sustainable, strength-based approach to work. Trust me. Sustainable, like don't have people bring their own passion and then burn out. Like we have to find work that replenishes people um, so they're not stuck doing the wrong thing and then they grow the wrong career doing the things they don't like. Um, Strength-based will always outpace kind of like nitpicking someone's weaknesses and telling them like, well, you missed this. Now you need to work on this. Now you're not so good at this. Um, when people lead with their strengths, they tend to raise their skills across the board. Um, and so if somebody, you know, as we raise our expectations, um, working with people's strengths to help them uh, approach their areas like outside of their comfort zone and lead with their strengths, uh, that, uh, that's what's going to lead to success. Um, find the work that uh, makes people feel the flow. I know that term's been used a lot, but it's essentially um, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's 
theory that like there's this place that exists, a state of being when you're fully engaged in your work. Um, and one of my favorite things to point out is like, you know, what's outside of the flow is like panic and boredom, depending on which way you uh, you veer. So if the challenge is way outside your skill level, you're not going to feel flow. You're going to feel panic. And if the challenge is way below your skill level, then you're just going to be bored and leave. And so it's really important um, that as we work with people, um, they're given the work that replenishes them. They're not bored to death. They're not panicking. People who are in the flow tend to also be happier, well, more well-adjusted people. Um, speaking of well-adjusted, uh, there's a lot we can do to burn out for burnout prevention. Um, one of my favorite things is to mention things like Dr. Sansniak's theory of learning. Um, this is where uh, we, we talk about the cycles of learning where you can go from the play phase where you're like, I love this, I'm just exploring, I'm following my curiosity to the discipline phase where it's like, I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna learn things line by line with a textbook so I know it well. Um, to the synthesis phase where you can combine the curiosity of play with the discipline of hard study. That's kind of the equivalent of, um, you know, listening to music, playing around, trying to find a few notes you like to discipline where you just practice scales, practice, uh, you know, playing the piano. And then uh, synthesis is when you're able to come up with your own songs or with your own new experimental ways of doing things with the skill of somebody who's mastered the the instrument. Um, and the cool thing about this is um, wasting your time is a critical part of learning. Um, being able to play is something we only say children do is a critical part uh, of replenishing your curiosity, your passion. Um, and so one of the things that I would love to encourage all leaders to do is to uh, make sure that there are opportunities, especially as you're getting to the learning and development uh, budget reset time, that there's opportunities not just for discipline and not just for, um, you know, here's a tutorial, read this book, but also the opportunity for them to play and learn things through their curiosity, the things that got them into whatever discipline that they like, um, give people the opportunity to be curious again. That takes time, that takes planning, and that takes a lot of work, but it is something to work towards. Um, and then also make sure you're always asking good questions. I don't know um, where I've read this. I've been trying to find it ever since. Um, but uh, at one point I heard that there was a study on influential people um, and it, it was found that they ask twice as many questions as the rest of us. And I don't know why it stuck out so much, but I was like, okay, well, let's see that. How does that work? Um, I guess immediately asking questions about it, so influential. Um, but, but being curious is at the heart of this. Uh, the ability to be curious is the ability um, to, to want to find out more, and it's something we should work towards. Um, and curious people, people who ask more questions are also um, going to be the ones who aren't going to be so set in their ways, who aren't going to you know, bring down the bar uh, of emotional intelligence. They're not going to, you know, be the bucket of crabs or the black hole of negativity. They're more likely to approach a problem with curiosity. Um, but at the end of the day, the most important thing of all of this is like, you got to give people time. Time scares people who are panicking about their work are not going to give you the best emotional intelligence, um, the things you want on your team. Um, time scares people can't collaborate very well. Um, they're not going to come in with creativity and they're certainly not going to um, engage in the flow.
no matter how much you expect of people, um, again, you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to create an environment where people are not only given the time to do their work, they're given the work that um, is going to replenish them, to keep them curious. And most importantly, the work you do isn't going to take your full life because at the end of the day, I want to bring it back to community. Um, like I said, I joined Women Who Code in 2014 and having a community outside of my day job was really important. Um, having the time, having the space uh, to, to essentially clock out and then go and see this community and work with them. Um, shout out to Holly Gibson for running a great Women Who Code Austin. Um, it was huge. Uh, to be an active participant was important. Um, and we need to make sure that we keep this promise with people um, as everyone's working from home and productivity is rising. And uh, it seems like the workday is just stretching further and further into people's lives and into their homes. Like we have to remember a company is not a family. Um, work friends should not be the only friends someone has. And your work coworkers should not be your support network, your only support network. Um, there's a big difference between like, yes, I can rely on my coworkers and outside of my job, I don't have anyone. I've given my whole life to this. Um, and especially with the pandemic, with folks really being isolated from their usual channels of support or their usual channels of kind of camaraderie and disconnected from their regular communities. I can tell you a whole lot of my communities aren't, they don't exist anymore. Um, either folks have moved away or they've first moved remote and then they stopped hosting them. It feels like we have to start from scratch and people need to be able to not just be part of, a, you know, like emotionally intelligent team, all this like great well-oiled machine of a team. They need the space and the time and the emotional energy to be part of their greater community. Um, you know, social connections are, are worth so much. Um, and especially now, given the news that we're seeing all the time, like we need the, the the creative, talented people working on our teams to also be there and present for their communities so that I can go to a PTA meeting every single time I need to and be present for, for my daughter and the, the children at her school. Um, I want the people on my team to be present and full members of their communities um, so that when they come to work, they're they're not out of balance, that, but they're part of a great network uh, of a, like people just showing up for each other in the same way that I said earlier. Um, because the old formula, again, of, of relying on pattern, passion, um, it's just not going to work uh, in the new world. Um, you, you know, we should feel like this, like, yeah, cool, fast-paced startup seeks passionate coder, like, whatever, I got this, like, because they're not going to extinguish it. Uh, they're going to grow this. Um, they're not going to burn through me in a year or two. Um, they're going to be able to thrive there and be there for my community and be there for my family. And that's what it should be. And you'll find that when we stop um, kind of or we shift, not like we stop, we shift the culture away from give everything, uh, work all the time. This is your identity. And we shift the culture to the healthier, like, yes, you love this stuff. You're, you know, we, we have great boundaries. We're able to give you time and space. Uh, we have ways and outlets for you to do your best work. You're going to find that the emotional intelligence on your team is going to rise pretty much 
overnight if they are not stretched thin. Um, so again, interrupting the things that aren't serving people and stretching them thin, and then creating better environments for them to to learn, to grow, to engage in the flow. Um, those are really important things. And especially if you're a leader, um, that's something we need to prioritize, especially now. Um, passion is not a renewable resource. Uh, right now, it's getting burned through, and instead, it should be grown. Um, passion should just grow, and it can. Uh, and I encourage everybody who is either listening today or um, is watching a recording just to think about how full is your cup today? Like, how much energy do you have? Um, what is the balance between like what you're getting, what you're replenishing, how curious you're feeling, and how much you feel like you're spending? And are you in a sustainable pace? How long um, can you do this? Are you feel like, do you feel like you're growing? Are you thriving? And I hope the answer is yes. And many more years of creative, amazing work in tech. Thank you so much. Um, I'm on the internet quite a lot. Um, again, I feel like I just skipped over these bare topics, but I would just encourage you if any of this sparked any curiosity, there are books and authors and studies and research uh, all about ways to either um, look at theories of learning, how people how people grow their talents, how people like what is the flow, what is a growth mindset, how is that measured? All of those things that we hear kind of casually mentioned in tech. Um, and let's start this conversation and make it better because, like, I don't know, everyone has a reason why they're doing it. I I just it has to be good because otherwise, what's the point? Like, it can be amazing, and I still believe that uh, every day. Thanks so. all. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.